You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to Lace Mountain Swire Football Podcast. MWR.com is where you can find our uh, written stuff iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere, anywhere else podcasts are sold or purchased or for free, obviously. Get those there. Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennerly, and marching on to week two. That's right. Another big week ahead of us. Yeah, last week was pretty crazy, as we know, with the, what do you got, Wyoming, Nevada, all sorts of crazy stuff going on. So here's what we're going to do. Before we start here, you have not heard this, and I mentioned the teams that the Mountain West has beat, you know, the SEC, the Pac-12, mm-hmm. you know, teams from pretty big conferences, right? Yes. So let's hear what a good old San Diego State head coach Rocky Long had to say. We had a team in our league beat a team from a Power Five, four of the five Power Five conferences. And I hear about how we don't play anybody at home, and two of those teams are coming here to play. I mean, uh, one of the teams in our league beat the ACC, they beat the Pac 12, they beat the Big Ten, they beat the SEC. Wyoming beat. Uh, Missouri, and if I remember right, that says SEC. Yep, coach. Yeah. And they're coming here for a home game. And so is Nevada, who beat the Big Ten. So I guess our schedule has gotten a lot better than everybody seems to be thinking it is. And our league is a whole lot better than everybody thinks it is. So please don't tell me about the lack of playing home games against good opponents and the lack of uh, good teams in our league. Now, you got any questions? Yeah. Who's the ACC team? Did I forget one? Uh, Florida State. That's what it is. Okay. I was thinking, like, I know it's there. How could you forget that I don't so know. quick? I was thinking Wake Forest and Utah State. Oh, yeah. That's true. All right. <laughs> that just came to my mind. I'm like, wait, I know he's right, but it's there's a lot of games going on. There's a lot of stuff. We're moving on to week two. But did you see today, Wyoming has Cal on the schedule, home and home? That does not surprise me. Wyoming's done a really good job recently in scheduling games. Yeah, they've had a two for one for Texas. They've had Missouri, obviously. Who else they got? Did they get Nebraska at home a couple years ago? Home and home? Uh, you know, I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't recall, but they, it's, the schedule's getting better, and they're winning the games too, which is nice. So, exactly. And it's good to see a coach long upbeat after their, uh, I'll be nice and say, struggling victory. The f- persevering victory. Is that a good way to put it? They persevered yes, over. Uh, and you know what? They've they've got their own opportunity to add to that tally this week, along with uh, three other Power Five opponents. They sure do. We'll get to them. They got UCLA. Um, before we get to one last thing, or before we get to the power rank or the uh, games this week, power rankings. That's on my mind. We took a lot of crap on Twitter for our power poll, right? Individually, I would say. Individually, there were some disagreements. Yes, like me putting uh, San Diego State twelfth. I don't know if I agree with that you don't have to i can defend it so that's all matters right <laughs> okay all right all right because i mean you put san diego state last i put colorado state last i could see it too and and there was some there were some quibbles about that and as i mentioned on the on the recap podcast we'll you know don't allow 52 points in eight yards per play there's that i put because you're you kind of score a touchdown at least against an fcs vote. so we had people getting on mine Rogers, jesse a lot of people just to pull so like okay let's do our rankings 
So I put out a Google Doc, which will be pretty fun. I'll do every week so you all can um, vote and get your voice heard. And I got to change it up a little bit, Matt, because I need to make every selection required, 1 through 12. Ah, uh, okay. So There's only a couple uh, people. Let me guess what you did, because what we normally do for the for listeners out there is, like, you have, like, a drop-down for each one. Mm-hmm. And you got to have, like, one of those grids. Yeah, I got to change it. Yeah, I'll change it up a little bit. But also, it make, you could, I don't know if you can make that required. But there's also a few jokesters who I threw out, like the Mexico number one, Colorado State, San Jose, only a couple. We had about 100 votes, which is nice on short notice. Only to throw out like four of them, I think. <laughs> That's not hey, too bad. You, you, hey, you know what? No, New Mexico scored 39 points last week against Sam Houston State. They're also 1 of 15 on third down. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Just say one and zero. Okay, here's how it came out really quick. Before we get to the games, we picked Boise State unanimous. Our staff, um, it wasn't unanimous, but was close to it. Boise number one. We had Nevada, Wyoming two three. The readers had, and this is like, if you read what I actually wrote, it's super extremely close to the point total for between like two through six. So we had Nevada, Wyoming two and three. Um, the readers had Wyoming, Nevada. Okay, same team. Utah State. Four or five, we had the flipped around Hawaii, or excuse me, Hawaii, yeah, Hawaii, Utah State. We had four Hawaii, Utah State, flipped, flipped around four or five for the readers. Fresno, six, same. Air Force, the same. San Diego State, the same. UNLV, the same. And then the last three were a little bit different. We had CSU, or no, New Mexico, San Jose State, CSU, readers, CSU, New Mexico, San Jose State. So about the same, right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, the same range. Like the only difference is one spot. So yeah, yeah. When you put them all together, it balances out. Had I put maybe San Diego State middle of the pack, maybe they've been one spot higher, but not much. You know what I mean? Wisdom of crowds, baby. I'm just saying. Yeah, we know what we're doing. So do you. So get on our individual ballots. But when we get it all together, we know what we're talking about. It's like with the. Uh, have you seen? The, do you ever look at the poll tracker website about the AP polls? Uh, I usually only see the uh, the posts that Reddit does every week. The Reddit College Football Twitter. Okay, there's one probably the same thing where they put who voted where essentially. Yeah. So it's the same thing, but if you go, you could click on each individual team, and me being a Utah guy, they had University of Utah there what 13 I think in that poll, but mm-hmm. the vote range is between five and 20, and so <laughs> I'm just saying like there's a pretty big range for teams. The bulk of them I think were like 12 to 16, but five you say? Yeah, there's one that had five. Yeah, hey. Okay. Hey, right. they'll get there. You know why? SEC would kill each other. <laughs> what? Because the Pac-12 is easy, that too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's that's how it went out. So we'll do that every week. I think it's fun. Hopefully we'll get more votes, and I'll, I'll tweak it so it's a little bit better format so I can calculate it faster and there's no shenanigans in the poll. But let's get to uh, – should we get to games this week? Let's do it. So we have one game Friday night. Boise State. Oh, did we talk about also hydration? Do we need to discuss make sure you drink your Powerade? Well, that's that's number twenty four, Boise State to you. That is who. We're sh- I think you're kind of shocked by that because the the coaches had them way down there, and they jumped shocked, a lot of teams. Is too strong a word. Uh, I was mildly surprised though, and, th- and that has nothing to do with Boise State. Mm. It was just that I did not expect them to jump nine spots when only three teams ahead of them had lost last weekend. I can still, I still think that's shocking because typically in the polls, you know how it is, you don't move up unless it's a huge victory or other teams lose. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it, but the thing is, like, you know, yeah, it was a big, a big win for the Broncos, but mm-hmm. it was only a one-score win against a team of of dubious quality, shall we say? Yeah. Um, 
and so like and so I was expecting them to be like maybe one of those first two mm-hmm. one or two teams out rather than jumping all the way to twenty four. But obviously, I think it's good for the conference that they are able to do that. Uh, definitely, it's huge. And then also, Wyoming got votes. Uh, Hawaii and still, and I was a little surprised. Fresno State got a couple of votes as well in the AP poll. That's true. Just because part of it is you're on one and you're not from a power conference, you don't get any respect or benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I would say also, can we say what's up to Nebraska? How you doing, guys? <laughs> <laughs> looking, looking down at Nebraska now, you mean? <laughs> exactly, 25. But let's get to the game itself. Check out our preview. Our, our good buddy Raj put a nice preview, in-depth preview, which he does so far two for two. It'll be every week. So he played mm-hmm. Marshall, who, if you, look, if you ever, do you ever use pre-Stacian? Do you ever check out the website, stacian.com? They, I do not. They basically compile all the preseason magazines together. Oh, Stassen. Oh, is it Stassen? Yeah. Oh, I thought, why did I say Stassen? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. I, I've always thought it was Stassen. That's, that's your thing, mispronunciations. <sighs> Whatever. That website, they compile all the like preseason mags, and Marshall is projected to be in the conference title game for CUSA as the, second, as the uh, best team, actually, over North Texas. So they're a pretty solid team. What we don't know, Matt, is that they um, are playing a. Uh, they played VMI, uh, what VMI last week? Yes, they did. And it's hard to tell how good or not good they are. More, more good than not, because they won fifty six to seventeen, with uh, Isaiah Green having a pretty good day of four touchdowns. But uh, what do we make of the Mar- Thunder and Hurt here, who come to Boise on a Friday night, who are wearing blue on blue on blue on blue, as they stated on Twitter? <laughs> See, and you know, VMI is not a great team. Nope. So. I think it's really hard to take anything away from last week's results, if only because you know Doc Holliday came out afterwards and acknowledged that basically the backups played the entire second half. Yeah. But one thing that might be noteworthy coming out of that game is that Marshall did lose their starting middle linebacker for the season. That's not good. Yeah. Um, uh, Jaquan Yuli, who was expected to really play a big role after playing kind of a part-time role in 2018. You know, this was a team that last season or coming into this season, they were losing, I think, three of their top four tacklers at the linebacker position. So they were really counting on him and, you know, the other two guys coming back, uh, Omari Cobb, who was moving to that middle linebacker spot from the strong side, and Tavante Beckett, who had been a transfer from Virginia, to be another really stout threesome at that level of the defense. And so now they're kind of shuffling things around, and it's not like they don't have experience. Like, they, I believe, have uh, Tyler Brown, who's also a senior, sliding in on that strong side. But if there are any more injuries, you know, that's where things can start to get a little bit dicey because behind those three, there's not a lot of experience. You know, Eli Neal's listed as a freshman. Uh, Dominic Murphy's a redshirt sophomore. And, uh, you know, Jacorian Anderson's a freshman as well. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, but, you know, if they play up to their potential, combined with the front four that they have, you know, they didn't play the whole game, but they still balled out in a lot of respects. Like, as a team, they had eight tackles for loss. Um, but the two that I'm really interested in watching are the, are the guys on the edge, you know, Darius Hodge and... Um, and Marquis Couch. You know, they both had, I think, a tackle for a loss last week, uh, or even guys in the middle like Channing Hames. He had a tackle for a loss and a sack. Um, we don't know 100% what John Ojuku's status is just yet. I think the inclination is that he's probably not going to play in this game. But 
that I think is a question worth keeping an eye on because before Ajuku went into the starting lineup last year for the Broncos, in the early parts of that season, that was when they really had a hard time, you know, keeping the quarterback upright and you know running the ball uh, consistently. So that's something that I'm interested in seeing how Boise State responds when they're missing one link that really strengthened that unit overall late last year and you know into last week. Well, yeah, even that they bring back more. Like I'm looking at what they did preseason wise, like all conference players. They bring back even uh-huh. if he may not play, their offensive line still pretty solid overall. Because mm-hmm. the attendant, well, besides him, four starters back now, maybe three. They yeah. bring top receivers, top rusher. And one thing, too, like that's this is going to be a pretty good challenge, I think, for the Boise defense. I don't think it'd be more so than Florida State just because of overall talent. But Isaiah Green was named co freshman year, had four touchdowns, and what did he play? Just over half in that first game? Yeah. Didn't play very much. So, again, it's hard to tell, but they have a lot of returning guys back. That's why they're going to possibly win the conference to USA title. And could be seriously a dark horse to get that near six spot if they aren't able to upset Boise State. If they win their conference, they're in a decent chance to do so. Just because you beat a ranked Boise Boise State team, they are a fairly known team out of compared to others. The rest of the schedule isn't that tough outside of Cincinnati and then league play, which could be tricky here and there. So if they get Boise State, they'll be up there. But I don't. The thing is, the offensive guys that are coming back from last year, if they are, are we to, are we to believe preseason expectations? They should be pretty good. And then defense, really quick. Do you know they didn't have a 100-yard rusher allowed all last year? I did not know that. Yeah. So, the yeah, it's is that going to change with Robert Mahone running the ball? That, I think, yeah. And that's why that defensive line versus Boise's offensive line matchup is going to be one to watch. Because I think if Boise can assert themselves in the same way that they did last week, and it, it took a little while to do, but you know, Mahone eventually got going and was a real factor in Boise State, you know, being able to catch up and then pull away. Um, but to me, that I think is the one thing in this game that's going to turn the result one way or the other. Yeah, I think I think Marshall's pretty balanced and good on both sides of the ball. So I, I don't know what I'd say would be better or not. So it's not a team where if they take this team lightly, they're going to be in trouble because Marshall Doc Holliday is a good coach. They play well. They won games like just a couple years ago. They were ten and zero. When they finally got that ranking a couple of years, when they the playoff committee mercy ranked them essentially because I guess you're ten and though I guess we got to rank you somewhere. Mm-hmm. So they're a team out there. People know the line is twelve points. One concern outside of Marshall having a pretty good defensive front, and if their linebacker's gone, that's a big deal. Quarterback seems good. Freshman, no, it shouldn't matter because look at Hank Bachmeyer, true freshman. Him and Bo Nix had amazing starts last week. Him and Auburn, they're both getting huge wins. Uh, with it being twelve points, my big concern, I guess, coming back from. The travel from Tallahassee is a weird weekend. Playing on a Friday night, but I think they could be offset. But hey, we're home opener. We're ranked. We won't. Re- they know they're playing a decent team. I predicted a pretty big victory. I think that's the case. But it's not. It's, if it, if they're gonna like cover those twelve points, like I see some of our predictions, it's a pretty wide margin. It's not. I don't think it's gonna be a Boise races out to a twenty-one three lead or twenty-eight ten lead. It'll be more of kind of like oh, we're like think of the Colorado State Colorado final score. Colorado hmm. State was a step behind, but still within striking distance throughout the game until the very, very end. I think this game could have that same result where it might be 10 3, 13 10, 20 10, 27 13, something like that, where it's a slow burn where they'll eventually pull away and win by maybe 17 or so points. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be they'll go out and get up 21 nothing and boat race them. 
Yeah, I mean, especially since, you know, we didn't really talk much about the herd secondary, but they're pretty good, too. You mm-hmm. know, they've got three guys coming back from last year, including the cornerback, Chris Jackson, yep. who, you know, he didn't see that. Like, he was one of those guys that didn't see a lot of playing time in this particular matchup last week against BMI, but he did have 15 pass breakups last year. Solid, I'd and say. That's the, that's <laughs> that's the kind good. of thing that... That's the kind of thing that carries over from year to year. And, you know, the other guys back there, like Nazi Johnson had five pass breakups. Carry on Merrill had seven pass breakups. So they've got guys who could get their hands on the football. And that's the kind of thing where if they can turn more of those pass breakups into turnovers, which you know, they were good but not great at last year, that's the kind of thing where if Boise's not careful with the football, which at times they weren't last week, that's the kind of thing that could make this game a lot closer than a lot of outside uh, viewers might suspect it could be. So go really quick. You have the FEI projection in SP+. Plus. What were those? Okay, so they're both pretty favorable for the Broncos. Uh, FEI has the Broncos by 18.1. And Bill Connolly did put his SP plus picks out there. Uh, they give Boise a 71%, excuse me, 71% chance to win this game and with a projected score of 39 to 29 so within 10 points yeah so i mean i guess it's 12 points right now what mm-hmm. is your um so what's your pick what's your score and everything what do you got i do think boise is gonna ultimately end up winning this one pretty easily like it's the, it strikes me as the kind of game that might be tough for like two two and a half quarters but I think that boise's got that talent advantage especially on offense to really put the game away you know, without having it come down to the last drive or anything like that. So I could see it a tight game by halftime, but I had the Broncos winning 41 to 17. 41 17. That's a pretty big victory there. So I go, I went 38 21, and I kind of already explained how I thought the game could play out, where it'll be somewhat close. It'll just be kind of a slow burn, and it's kind of, they finally go, oh, we got you. We won by 20 something points or 17 points in my case, where it'll be, Marshall will get points. I don't doubt that. It just will be, Boise will just be like a step or two ahead the entire game. Yeah. So that's what I'm going at. So next game, we go to um, also games ESPN2, probably should mention, 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 local time. Then we go to Saturday. Um, I have the top 25 schedule. They're not, there's not a Cincinnati-Ohio State game on our schedule. No, that would be Western Illinois at Colorado State, uh, 2 p.m. Mountain Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on AT&T Sportsnet, or if you were outside of the footprint on the Mountain West Network. Yeah, you can stream it. So even if you don't have to have a subscription to Charter, Cox, DirecTV, or whatever, it's just streaming. So basically, you can, you're the one in the area where you'd be able to stream it probably, right, Matt? No, you know what? I've never been able to stream those oh, games. You know why? It's probably because you have Root Sports Northwest as a somehow regional sports package in your area. I have no idea what it is, but it's lame. That's what that would be. It's probably because I used to years ago work for DirecTV doing things. You might be like you're not like in the area. Like you obviously you'd be in San Francisco area for Giants. You know what I mean? Those type of games out there, Bay Area teams. Yeah. But there's also if you're close enough, there's a secondary one where if you live in a certain sweet spot in northeast of the country, you can get like Red Sox, Yankees, Pirates, like Phillies games without having to get, like MLB package or something. <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm getting betting your areas like that where it's like, dang you. But it doesn't matter, Matt. You don't need to watch the game because the Rams should win, right? Well. Oh, <laughs> what do you got? You don't have to okay, come so, to so What's up? I, mean, I want to preface this because, you know, FBI doesn't do the projections for, um, for FBS versus FCS games. But I want to preface this discussion. Well, real quick, and there's I mean, no line also in this game, which is unique as well. 
Okay, so Odd Shark has this oh, yeah. has the line on this game being uh, Colorado State minus eleven and a half. Okay, I must have missed that, but okay, eleven and a half. SP Plus, however, has a projected margin of just one point three points in favor of who? In favor of the Rams. I'm just saying it's one point three. Give them a fifty three percent chance to win this game. Do you have any reason why? Um, well, maybe some of it has to do with the fact that. Colorado State blew this game last year against an FCS team. True. Um, maybe it has to do with the fact that the defense didn't look any better last week than it did for most of last year. Fact. But at the same time, I have a really hard time seeing where Western Illinois, which, by the way, just a quick aside, uh, do you happen to know what Western Illinois' team name is? I see a bulldog of sorts. I'm guessing it's not a bulldog. It is not a bulldog. Um, uh, the Terriers? I don't know. Leathernecks. I see it now. They are the Fighting Leathernecks, <laughs> which is a great name. Anyway, um, you know, <laughs> last week you know they dropped a road game against North Alabama. Good but not great FCS team, but they were outgained by 100 yards. You know, they were only 2 of 13 on third downs. Is that the team Terry and- Bowden coaches now, one of the Bowdens? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's me. It's curious. I Sorry. think so. I don't Continue. Know. I, I brutally interrupted you. Sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. And you know, while they do have a guy in Clint Rakovich who was considered by Phil Steele at least to be a uh, first-team FCS All-American, you know, they are replacing a lot on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm not sure if I mean I just don't see the path to a victory, considering that they weren't necessarily all that competitive against a fellow FCS team last week. But again, it really just kind of comes down to uh, is Colorado State going to prove that they're actually any better this week than they have been in the recent past? Here's the thing. They're going to win because they have Colin Hill. They're going to win and they're going to, I guess we do, we do give store, scores and everything, but they're going to win. Like I don't see why they wouldn't win against this team. I think if they're going to win, they've got to put the game away early with big plays because that was the one thing that really betrayed Western Illinois last week. Uh, you know, uh, North Alabama had a 75-yard pass that you know gave them a nine-point lead in the first half, and then they were able to close out the scoring with a 62-yard run to really put the game away for good in the second half. Um, so, I mean, that's something to keep an eye on. If Colorado State can take advantage of that, especially in the passing game, especially with Colin Hill and all the weapons at his disposal, if this is another instance where Dante Wright and, and Warren Jackson and company can show the same kind of big play capabilities that they did for most of that Rocky Mountain showdown last weekend, this is the game that they should win comfortably, but the emphasis is on the word should. And I mean, I don't... <laughs> these days, it's really hard to know. I, I'm confident they're going to win because, again, okay. Colin Hill, Warren Jackson could be one of the better duos in the conference. Western Illinois already lost. And think about it, the Rams put up over 30 points on an FBS team already in Colorado. So I think they'll win by two touchdowns. So you would take them to cover? I would, yeah. Uh, I'm going to hedge my bets. Uh-oh. I, I mean, I think that the Rams will win, um, but I'm – I mean, recent history seems to suggest that it's the kind of game that will be a little bit closer. Uh, maybe not as close as SB Plus suggests. You know, Bill Connolly projected them to be to win thirty-eight to thirty-seven. Um, 
don't think it's going to be like that. Mm. Um, but I'm going to say 31 to 21. Okay. That's fair. It's going to win because it seems like to me you think they're going to be one of the bottom three teams in the conference all year long. I'm going to they better win. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. We'll leave it all right, next game. 115 Pacific. This game, I know Aztec fans are wanting it. Aztec, San Diego State at UCLA. 115 local, Pac-12 network. So however you get the game, find the game. Uh, we can help you out with that. UCLA, minus 7.5. So when I watched this UCLA game last week, as you watched as well for Cincinnati, which they lost, um, how would we characterize your offensive line, Matt? Not good? Is that put it Bad. nicely? How good is Cincinnati's defense? Probably just meh. Their their defense might be pretty good. Like I think I had mentioned this on Twitter in the past, at, at least in uh, in tweet discussions. Um, I think Cincinnati is kind of the dark horse for the New Year's Six, I've, just among any I pick, five team. I technically picked them for Underdog Dynasty as one of my what I think could do it. And they did hold UCLA to 218 yards of total offense. It's true. I'm not saying like I'm just saying like no, you know I mean like I'm not putting down either team, but that's a good defense, and Aztecs defense is typically really really good as well. So why couldn't they I mean, do the they, same they thing? They had to watch the tape in that game, and especially of of Dorian Wright Thompson, and just or Thompson Robinson rather. I don't know why I was thinking Wright Thompson. I was thinking the ESPN writer. Um, <laughs> but they he, they must have been licking the chops, especially after the performance that they put up last week against Weber State. They better you know, they. You know, Cincinnati was able to hold the Bruins to 1.7 yards per rush. And, you know, some of that is skewed a tiny bit by the fact that they had two sacks in that game. But, you know, they didn't really enable Robin uh, Thompson. DRT. DTR. It's called DTR. DTR. No, I'm the one mispronouncing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was only 8 of 26 last week with two interceptions. And, and he fumbled twice for, like, absolutely no reason. And Chip Kelly says, that's our guy. I mean, that's a guy with a lot of raw talent that, you know, and we saw in last year's game against Fresno State as well, he just hasn't been able to put all that talent to good use just yet. And, you know, when I'm thinking about how this game could possibly play out... Like, you know, we talked about it on the recap podcast. I don't know that I have a lot of confidence in San Diego State's offense Quote, to do much new of anything. Offense. <laughs> Neither do I. It's like, but, it, but, it, is it this kind of, but is this the kind of game that the defense could have a pick six and, you know, turn, you know, one or two turnovers into 10 or 13 points for the offense? Absolutely. They're going to have to because, well, Jawad Washington's really good. The offensive line, even like Keith Ishmael and stuff, they're not, they weren't that great. This this past week he had he didn't play very much he didn't have that many yards carries he's were... also questionable for this game what did what happened to Washington what's the... uh, well like I mentioned on the recap podcast he did have an ankle oh that's right injury ankle. That's that true. he had in the first half um so he, how much he's going to be able to contribute in that game is TBD um but you know again they have all those oars strong around the RB two position Chase <laughs> Jasmine Chance Bell Kagan Williams Jordan Bird. If one of those guys has to step up and carry the ball 15 to 17 times, what are they going to be able to do against a defense that has been iffy in the past? Like, are they going to be able to be as explosive as Washington has shown himself to be over the past couple seasons? Because if they can't, that's the kind of thing that might let the Bruins hang around a little bit longer than they probably should. Yeah, it's the, um, so is Chase Jasmine also out as well with ankle injury? 
I don't think that he is. Oh, I'm looking at Bruins Nation. Maybe that's incorrect there. But I'll double check on that. But they have guys like Chance Bell. They should have other guys like it shouldn't matter who's running the ball because the way Aztecs have been going on the past couple of years, their running game is like legit. There should be no reason for whoever's back there to do a good job. But then again, they're in shotgun. They don't have a fullback for the first time in however long. That's why they went to shotgun and spread. So you don't have that lead blocker making that extra room against a, whatever defense lineman, nose tackle linebacker coming through. So it's all on the running back and your offensive line. Which, okay, it's normal for everybody else, but not when you've had a fullback that passes almost decade specifically there to help the running game. And mm-hmm. so it's not, I don't know what they're going to do. They need to make some adjustments because the offense is dreadful. And that's why I put them at the bottom because they're bad. But they need, like, and also I don't trust Ryan Agnew. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't seem to brought any, bring any confidence for me. Like, I said it before, I said it like last year, I said this year, he's not a good quarterback. They're not doing what they said they would do with his legs, like move the pocket or do anything. They're just kind of, he's just there. He's just a dude. He's not not even a dude, just a guy back there who they thought would be a good quarterback, and he's has shown me nothing last year or this year to be like a, a decent quarterback. And so you expect that, okay, we'll rely on the running game. But when the running game doesn't go, Aztecs have literally no offense. And you're right, maybe they'll need – um, to Zeno to have a pick six or a Tariq Thompson to do something or somebody to give a short field where they could win, win like score 16 points, win because he kicked three field goals and a touchdown. Yeah, probably. And that's ugly to go. It's not exciting, but like everybody says, like, oh, you only like offense. Yeah, I do. I like defense as well when it's there, but you got to have some sort of offense to help that defense out too. Because what if they go like three and out and the defense just gets gashed because they aren't able to keep the ball in the field and give them a minute to rest or two? It's, this is a big concern. Like, I think they can beat UCLA because it's only seven and a half points, and UCLA wasn't very good last week, as we could tell. Thompson got sacked, hurried, hit a number of times. And I'd put it at the Aztecs front with Bearcats for sure. But it's going to take something from the offense to do something spe- not even special, just be okay. Because I think the defense will be fine and slow down the Bruins. It's just that you got to have some sort of offense in this game. And I don't know if that's going to be the case, especially if there's guys banged up. All right, so who you got in this game? Oh, man. I want to say San Diego State. Both teams, okay. just, both teams just seem so bad from week one. I will, well, it's because they were bad in week one. Well, okay, so three, three of the four <laughs> units in this game were bad in week one. Let's, let's put it that way. The best unit is going to be the Aztec defense, right? Can we say that, agree to that? I would agree to that. Okay, so if you had the best unit... Because I don't also want to be Homer Golf pick Aztecs and whatever, but then people will get freaked out. You pick, you never pick our team. You hate Aztecs. Um, Rocky Long's a really good coach. Who do you think the better coach is, Long or Chip Kelly? I think at this point you have to say Rocky Long. Yeah, because Chip Kelly. Here's the thing too. Like I was listening to something recently about Chip Kelly and stuff. Like the reason he was so good at Oregon, it's because nobody else is doing what he was doing. Now, what? Not everybody, but a lot of teams are running his style of offense, like Mm -hmm. a similar set. And now he can't deal with that because if you look at, I'll back up real quick. Like when Urban Meyer came to Utah, he goes to Florida, Ohio State. His offense was fairly similar throughout. Didn't change all that much. It didn't matter where he was at. And when other teams started doing what he was doing, he was still extremely successful. I know it's only what game fourteen. This will be game fourteen for Chip Kelly back in the college ranks. But I remember when Urban Meyer went to Florida, I was like, well, I'm winning games. I'm doing this. I keep going. He's not showing a good thing at all. Year one, don't go to a bowl game. Year two, they thought they'd be better. They're not at the moment. And so I don't know if he's being outcoached, but he's he just doesn't have the 
intellectual edge or coaching edge he had when he was making up this offense that was great that nobody else was doing. Hmm. And so I'd say long, I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this will be an ugly 20 to 13 San Diego state victory. Okay. So So I'm hedging my bets to score 20 points. (laughs) So FEI sees UCLA favored by four points in this game. Okay. Uh, S&P plus basically has a 50, 50. Interesting. Uh, with a projected score of 18 to 18. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Field goal fest or something like that. Eight. Field goals and safeties. No, I'm just thinking of the tie as well, 18 to 18. Uh, I do think that the Aztecs are going to win ugly, though. I'm going to say 16 to 14. Jeez, do we have to watch this game, Matt? Well, I don't have the Pac-12 network. Hey, you and I know f- a lot of people don't have the Pac-12 network, hey. so no. Get a free trial on Fubo. You can watch it that way. Just huh. yeah, that's, that's right. That's why I do quite often. So get that free. I thought Hulu had the Pac-12 network. Is that not the case? No, it does not. Oh man, dang it. Well, all right. Next game. Let's move on. Um, Wyoming, Texas State. Wyoming's a road touchdown favorite. And this game is on ESPN Plus, so you can also get a seven-day free trial. Do you subscribe to ESPN Plus, Matt? At the moment, I do not. Are you going to for this game, perhaps? Perhaps. Perhaps. It's pretty good. I, there's a decent amount of stuff on their watch, so it's worth um, the five bucks a month or whatever it costs to get. So I've been having had that for a past while. See, so, yeah, well, I mean, Texas State. Texas State lost its opener. They're zero one. They were shellacked by Texas A and M, forty-one to seven. So it's, that was to be expected, I think. Yeah, and so it's hard to tell like who who this team is, how good they are. It is Texas State. They are in the uh, Sun Belt. Is that right? They are in the Sun Belt. I got First that. year coach Jake Spavadol. That's right. He was formerly at Texas A&M as well. I think wasn't he at some? Wasn't he at the Aggies before? I thought he was with Cal before. Yeah, maybe he was both. Maybe he's both. Who knows? Well, I know they have a new head coach as well. So you get off the bad start, forty-one-seven. Eh, not a big deal. One thing I did do, so we get to know this team better. I chatted with um, the guys who were Underdog Dynasty to uh, figure out who this um, Texas State team is. So one thing mm-hmm. we do know for sure, possibly know, they have a quarterback controversy. Not controversy, but they split time at quarterback. Tyler Bild mm-hmm. and Gresh Jensen each had a couple picks. And as, as of now, we're recording this Wednesday night. No decision has been made on the starter. But he says Coach Spav, um, he says Coach Spav here, so I'll go with that. Made it clear that both signal callers made costly errors, obviously. And sure enough, that we've already had a quarterback controversy in San Marcos, so... He's predicting Jensen will be the starter. So take that for what it's worth. Also, did you know the OC, Bob Stitt? Interesting. Just saying. I forgot about that. Yeah. So you got the the guy who we wanted at Colorado State for years, right? Or well, Gresh, Gresh Jensen is a very Texas name. That's oh, you're not wrong at all. That's very yes, it is Gresh Jensen. So um I guess with his reasoning is that he moves the pocket a bit better, throws a touch better with the offense. So they were both also Montana State, so he came down with um, Coach Coach uh, Stitt there. So mm-hmm. there's that familiarity. But again, but then again, you play in Texas A&M, who is a top twelve team, yet they're like a twenty point underdog against Clemson this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I would say the Wyoming's defense is in the same neighborhood as Texas A&M. Probably not as good, but close. And so. We clearly know Logan Wilson, guys will make big plays on defense. I think that seven-point line is about right. What I want to see in this game is Sean Chambers to use that stiff arm to take the ball instead and throw it. That's what I want to see because running game seemed fine fine between him and the running backs. Passing game left a lot to be desired. 
And so that's like the number one key I want to see out of the quarterback play. Texas State has issues. Wyoming doesn't really. But I just want to see Sean Chambers actually throw the ball. Can you give me at least 50% there, Matt? That's all I'm asking, 50%. I don't think that's too much to ask. Is it going to happen, though? That's an excellent question. <laughs> I mean, did, these two teams played last year, did they not? Um, didn't Texas State win last year in this one? No, I thought, no, Wyoming did. I'm going to double check here. I Wyoming well, I mean, was 6-6 six and six last year, and the first half of the season was pretty bad. They um, play, They did not play last year. Oh, who was I thinking they played? One of those, one of those Texas teams. Sure. Oh, they yeah, played two years ago. Oh, okay. Twenty seventeen. Well, I mean, won that one forty-five to ten. So, boom. Okay. I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, <laughs> this strikes me as the kind of game where, you know, even if Wyoming still has a little bit of consistency throwing the football, Texas State strikes me as the kind of team that they could probably get away with it. What I really want to see is if they can make the Bobcats one-dimensional in the same way that AM was able to make them one-dimensional last week. You know, because, you know, even though uh, Texas A&M did have three sacks, which kind of skews the, the numbers a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, they were only able to run the ball 15 times and had a net total of eight yards rushing. Yikes. You know, 36 yards gained, 28 yards lost, 22 of that on sacks. Uh, that gives you a sense of, how rough things were in college station for the Bobcats last week. I want to see if this front for Wyoming can do that. And if they can, this is the kind of game that they should win going away. Oh, going away. I think so. Yeah. Because I think if they can, if they can assert themselves at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, even with an iffy passing game, you know, what, with what we saw from Chambers and Xavier Valaday and Trey Smith last week, I don't really see why Texas State would be able to stop the Cowboys' running game yeah, at they, a minimum. Yeah, they gave up 6.8 yards per carry, 200-yard rushers last week to Texas A&M. Not going to get it done. So I agree with you. I think Wyoming's going to win. What's the over-under in this game? Do we have that in front of us? It is interesting, 48, sort of low. I think it'll be like a – actually, no, that sounds about right, sounds about right for me because Wyoming offense, I don't know how much they'll score. I'm going to go 30 to 10. Interestingly, FEI and SP plus are split on this one. FEI has, they they both favor Wyoming, um, but FEI only favors Wyoming by 1.3 points. While SP plus gives the Cowboys a 74% chance of winning with a projected margin of 11 points. They have a a projected score of 45 to 33. Whoa. That strikes me as a bit high. Um, but I mean, I think if, if Wyoming can get the ground game going, um, they should score a fair bit of points. Um, so I would definitely lay the points. What is it? Wyoming minus seven, seven. Yes. On the road. Yeah. Yeah. That that's easy. I would definitely take that minus seven. I'm going to say Cowboys 38, uh, Bobcats 20, 20. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the next game, which is Arguably going to be the toughest game of the weekend. Sorry about that, folks. For some reason, autoplay. Love it. Um, I should mute my ESPN tabs here. Nevada going to Oregon. Number 16. The Sewell, the Sewell Bowl, right? Oh, yeah. You're right. That's, um, yes. All right. Kenny Sewell, Gabe Sewell. Try to think for me. Yeah. So Nevada is a 24-point underdog. Can there be magic? <sighs> Can there be magic again for the Wolfpack? You know what it starts with? 
What's that? It starts with the fact that uh, who's going to be catching passes for Oregon at this point? Yeah, they've lost their freshman All-American. They've lost a couple guys. They've they've lost a lot of dudes at the Wipers. Okay, so I'm just going to run this down real quick. This is from uh, Duck Territory over at uh, 24-7 Sports. Uh, so Brendan Schooler, Micah Pittman are weeks off from returning. Uh, J.R. Waters out for the year. Uh, Lance Wilhoit um, didn't play last week against Auburn, and his availability is up in the air. Uh, Juwan Johnson's availability is up in the air. Their tight end Cam McCormick, his ability, his availability is up in the air. Um, obviously, Nevada is not quite the same level of opponent as Auburn. But that is a really interesting obstacle that the, that Nevada is going to have to try to exploit. I think, yeah, yeah and because right, they, they they still got talent, especially if Johnson can go and you know with Jalen Red and Johnny Johnson in that unit. And oh, by the way, they're facing off against one of the best quarterbacks in the country and Justin Herbert. But you know, the Tigers showed last week that he could be mortal. And, and so, if Nevada can be as opportunistic as they were against Purdue last week, they showed that they could adjust and shut down a playmaker like Rondell Moore. So I don't necessarily want to count them out right away. I'm not, but I'm also not sure they're going to be able to get it done either. It's a tougher environment. Purdue, like Nevada, what they did, Purdue, people thought they had scored a ton of offense. Like that was Hmm. what Jeff Bromstein was. And yes, they did allow 31 points. Oregon likely will be able to score or score more. I am going to take Oregon to win, but if there's going to be a chance you need – like Carson Strong to have a big game. You're going to need Tawatua to show up this time around because he didn't show up last week, which will be a tougher go playing Oregon than it was playing Purdue. And so if they can get him going, if Carson Strong seems just fine, his first big-time start on the road. Because you look at um, what Oregon – here's some positive. That Oregon did allow Jartavius Winslow 110 yards. Mm-hmm. Bo Nix ran 42 on the ground, the quarterback. So – they allowed a decent amount of running and big plays as well. They had at least three of 19 or more yards on the ground. So 4.8 per carry, and that skewed a little bit by that 136-yarder. But they were allowed; they were able to run against. The problem is Bo Nix wasn't very good passing the ball. He had two picks, was under 50%, had that one great touchdown at the end of the game. And so if Oregon gets after the quarterback like they did with, what, seven, they had seven TFL, TFL, seven hurries as well, a couple pass deflections as well, as well on this matchup against Auburn, who's a much better team than Nevada, there's that to consider. So I think the point spread's a bit too much, but I still think Oregon wins pretty easily. I think a lot is going to depend on Carson Strong getting, the, getting rid of the ball quickly mm-hmm. to his playmakers. Because I I don't know I still kind of think they they might be able to get away with staying in this game if they lead with the pass, and you know take some shots down the field but just try to get their playmakers open. You know, Romeo Dalbs, Elijah Cooks, I think those two guys in particular might be more important to this particular game plan than Tawa. So can I... because if they, if they can get ahead, then they can start you know pounding the rock with 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 uh, Tawa and Lee and Kelton Moore. One thing you'll note as well, like that's correct on their secondary is a big issue as well because we both mentioned the receivers are gone. How mm-hmm. we'll really know how good Justin Herbert is when he's throwing to a bunch of what? What does he have? One starter left? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like he's missing so many guys. It'll show. It's like with Jordan Love, Utah State, brand new guy. So on Sosie Mariner, first start, first game, they played very well. Can Justin Herbert find that same guy when he has multiple top targets out? And mm-hmm. if he takes a minute to get going, maybe that's how Nevada can stick around this game. But I, I'm going to go 30 to 10 for Oregon. 
All right, so what's the line on this one again? 22. Oh, it's 20, 22. Okay, I'm seeing it as 24 for some Ooh. reason. I'm going off Insider. I am doing what I had lot from when I made our post for the week to send oh, okay. out. So All that was right. a couple days ago. So let's st- stick with 22. That's what we have on our sheet when I post that probably Thursday morning. Okay, um, so FEI does favor the Ducks uh, by 14 in this particular matchup. SP Plus has that at uh, they give Oregon an 84% chance to win this game with a projected margin of 17.6. I think yeah, 22 seems a little high. Like because I think Nevada is going to be able to create some scoring opportunities for themselves. I don't think they're going to win this game, but I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than a lot of Ducks fans might expect it would be. Uh I'm going to say Oregon 38, Nevada 28. Okay. You're going to also, do we mention this game's on Pac-12 Network as well? So I'm not going to be able to watch that one either. Fourth, get your free trial, 430 <laughs> Pacific. Just do it. it okay. It costs right, you nothing. Right. Just make sure, you know what you do? You put a little note in your phone like, hey, Google, or hey, Siri, remind me to cancel Fubo on day f- on Tuesday at 8 a.m. That's it, the move. Cheesy peasy. That's what I do all the time. I all right. make trials almost every week just because <laughs> I need a certain channel I can't get. Stony Brook at Utah State, 530 local time, mountain time. Facebook game. Did you know, as of Wednesday morning, this game is nearly a sellout versus Stony Brook? I mean, there should be. There's a lot of hype around the Aggies. There, There is. I, I'm a little bit shocked just because it's Stony Brook. But they're going to win. Easy. There's no, there's, no, there's no reason to break down this game all that much, except I maybe want to see... What do I want to see? Uh, another... I want to see the running back competition, which won't be much, because Jalen Warren led the way last week. I'm wondering if he'll get the bulk of the carries, but this game will probably evenly split between everybody, so you can't really tell if Gerald Bright's going to come back to be the guy or if they give it to Jalen Warren just because he's hot for a couple of series and let him ride him out. So I'd like to see that sorted out a little bit. It's not going to be, clearly, because they're going to be Stony Brook by a million points, I think, even though Stony Brook is 1-0 <laughs> on the year. Yeah, I mean, Stony Brook's not quite the same caliber of team that they were two years ago. Um, but they, you know, they still reached the FCS playoffs last year, mm-hmm. and they had a pretty convincing win over Bryant last week. What I want to see in this game is I want to see Utah State be more careful with the football. Yeah. And and you know some of that is just a symptom of the fact that Stony Brook, you know, they won the turnover battle last week against uh, Bryant in part because they forced two interceptions, including a pick six. So, I mean, I'm with you. I don't necessarily think that the Seawolves are going to steal this win from the Aggies. But that's the kind of thing where if they aren't careful, um, you know, Stony Brook's not a team that's going to roll over. They've got some playmakers. They do have a new quarterback in uh, Tyquel Fields who had a nice game last week. But, you know, with all the playmakers that Utah State has, you know, might be competitive for a little bit, but Utah State should definitely pull away at some point, probably late in the first half. Yeah, I think they'll win, like, this might be one of the games like last year, not the 60 or 70-point games they did, whoever they, whoever the FCS opponent was last year, but I could see them winning, like, 42-10. And to that point, um, SP Plus gives the Aggies an 82% chance to win this game, but the projected margin is 16 points. That's it? Yeah, surprisingly. I guess it's, they weren't they, wasn't that also the group that gave the Colorado State a one-point victory? Yes. Okay. So what do you yes, got? Easy victory? Um, yeah, I would definitely take Utah State to win this one. I'm going to say 42 to 17. All right. Next one, we got Tulsa 
going to San Jose State on ESPN3, 6 p.m. Pacific time there. Tulsa, this it's only a six and a half point line in favor of Tulsa. They're a road favorite over the Spartans, which not too surprising. Tulsa did play Michigan State last week and was not really effective. 28-7 was the uh, result in that one. And so there is that. And it doesn't help when Tulsa gave up the ball, what, two times, had defensive touchdown allowed. That's never going to help you out any time in any game when you give up those easy points. I Tulsa's typically known for points, but they didn't score that many points last time. They still have Zach Smith, at quarterback. And did you see, have you looked at the rushing numbers for Tulsa, Matt? I was just about to ask you the same thing. They had, including sack yardage here, minus mm-hmm. 73. But it was actually zero total when you take away sacks. Zero. They gave up six sacks for 39 yards. Yeah. And what I saw, well, that's not zero then. Fox put out some tweets saying they had zero total rushing yards after sacks. It was pretty ugly. Regardless. Whatever. It's not good, right? And so. No, it was not. They, that is obviously mostly credit to Michigan State's defense, but. I'm guessing if the Spartans want to do anything, um, stop the run, make him pass, make Zach Smith beat him in the air. Yeah, I think so. And that might be a possibility because they had, um, shoot, what's his name, 20 tackles last week in the win over in the opener last week versus Northern Colorado. You were talking about Ethan Aguayo. That's right, Ethan Aguayo, 20 tackles. And and to me, I think I mentioned you know the young front that they have in that starting lineup now at San Jose State. You know, those guys, I, I mean, obviously they're probably not on the same level as Michigan State, but, you know, and, and I'm talking about Viliami Fihoko, Silosi Latu, Kate Hall, uh, Demanuel Taluati. You know, all of those young guys who had a pretty nice performance last week against Northern Colorado, if they can make Tulsa one-dimensional, because I think that, you know, Zach Smith is probably fine at quarterback for the, for the Golden Hurricane, yeah. But I think what's ultimately going to make this team go is if they can be balanced. And they really weren't last week because they were able to shut down Shamari Brooks and Corey Taylor um, and then subsequently put pressure on Smith as the quarterback. So if they can, if San Jose State can do something similar, you know, I think, you know, even if the yardage totals aren't quite the same, one big takeaway that I see as being really crucial, if they can hold Tulsa to something like two of eleven on third downs again, just you know keep them below forty percent, and you know set up an offense that looked explosive last week, looked like it had multiple playmakers besides the ones we expected. San Jose State's got a chance to sneak away with a win in this one at home. If they're gonna do it, I think they need to stop the running game, like you said, one dimension. But Josh Love, big game. Yeah, Which... I definitely think so. Yeah, we'll see. And, and that's the other thing. I feel like San Jose State's definitely got a better passing game than Michigan State. Michigan State, not necessarily known for a lot of offense. 5.2 yards passing last week. Exactly. And 2.7 rushing. So it's not like, well, Michigan State won easily 28-7. They had the defensive touchdown. Did they have any other special team score? I don't think so. They had one defensive touchdown. They had short field, so that's part of the two for the total yardage. But it's not like Michigan State ran ran up the score or ran up the offense against them. And Pretty so, bland overall. Yeah, so it's what Michigan State does. They'll suffocate you. They, so if you look at what – it's one game, so it's hard to take everything away from it. But if you see what Tulsa did, like their defense wasn't terrible in this game. It's just short fields. And like 21-37, to 37, it's okay. But only 100 rushing yards for a team. Started Their starting running back, Connor Hayward, had under three yards of carry along of seven. And so there's room yeah. for 
San Jose State to maybe have a better offensive game than Michigan State versus Tulsa. It could have been more lopsided, but you know, yeah. one of the things that one of the things that jumped out to me in looking at the drive chart from last week's Tulsa game was that the the Spartans did have three drives inside the Tulsa forty that ended in turnovers on downs, and one of them was like right at the excuse me right at the end of the game, so it may not have mattered. Um, but you know, Tulsa showed that they could make stops in uh, you know very critical downs. Mm-hmm. And so I think if San Jose State shows the same kind of aggressiveness that they showed last week against Northern Colorado, you know, being fairly successful on third downs, but also showing a willingness to go for it on fourth as well, um, you know, that's another one of those things where if they can convert in those critical situations, they were solid last week. You know, five of eleven, good but not great. One of one on fourth downs, um, and you know, if they can protect Jordan Love a little bit better, uh, or excuse me, Josh Love wrong love mm-hmm. um like i said this is a game that you know could be competitive but if things go the way that i suspect they could san jose state could win this one Ooh. fairly comfortably excuse me comfortably comfortably what's your score then what do you got i don't understand why tulsa is favored in this game i do san jose state has won two games going back to last year both fcs teams Okay, so okay, so I'm gonna preface this again with <laughs> just saying you know, FEI. FEI okay. does project the Golden Hurricane by seven point five points. Mm-hmm. Um, they and but S SP plus not S and P. Um, they give San Jose State a fifty four percent chance to win this game. Hmm. They project a thirty to twenty eight in final score. What do you got? I got the Spartans winning. What's your score? I think. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say 30 to 21. So you're not alone in our staff. I'm looking at our Google Doc here, which it'll go up on Thursday. Give a sneak peek for the Spartans game. We have straight up one. Everybody is picking San Jose straight straight, straight up, except for me and Eric. So well, that's because Tulsa's bad. It, it's not the Tulsa from like four years ago when they would light up the teams. However, Tulsa, Tulsa's bad, man. Hey, so is San Jose State. You know what? At a minimum, at a minimum, take the Spartans and the points. I am. I'm and, going. And thank me later. Tulsa twenty-eight, San Jose State twenty-four. So get the ESPN three to watch this game. Kicks at six Pacific. Next game, Arkansas State at UNLV. We have UNLV as a slim one and a half point favorite. Is this a um, root sports game again or AT and T sports? It is, it is a Facebook game. Oh, Facebook. Okay, that means you can watch it on our website. So check it out there. At MWR. Yes, you can. Or, yeah, I will have the preview for that uh, probably tomorrow. We're yeah. recording on Wednesday evening, so it'll be up on Thursday. Up Thursday. So Arkansas State at UNLV. Rebels are one and zero in the year after their um, obviously singular victory last week. Arkansas State zero and one, as I said, and Arkansas State out of the Sun Belt. Usually, a pretty good Sun Belt team. That's why it's a slow. A one and a half point favorite for the Rebels. They narrowly lost to SMU last week. They did. Narrowly lost SMU, which is a tough break for them because SMU, they're okay, but it'd be good for them to be an American team because they're in the Sun Belt and they're just a step behind the American. So yeah, they could score some points. I'm just trying to think about what we want to see for UNLV here. Because we we talked about in the recap how the running game seems to be perfectly fine as they crush Southern Utah. That's what I was trying to think of. They'd be any they won easily. They ran the ball well. It is a, it is a FCS team, so it's like, well, Charles Williams have those big runs again, or Monty Rogers have those huge big runs again. 
I don't foresee both those guys combining for over 200 yards on the ground. I think I'm pretty safe in saying that's not going to happen against this team. See, what was interesting about last week's game, the last week's Arkansas State game, is obviously SMU's a pass-first team with yeah. you know, Shane Buchel under center. They threw the ball 49 times, and you know they had an okay yards per attempt. You know, or actually, it was pretty below average. It's only 3.3 yards per attempt. Obviously, that's not UNLV's game. No, you know they're going to be a run-first team. And so I think one of the first things I would look for is can they take care of the football on the ground? Because or just can they take care of the football period? Because one of the articles that I that I noticed earlier this week, I think it was um I don't want to say it was Ed Graney at the Las Vegas Sun. Uh, it was a question posing uh, should UNLV ever return punts and kicks ever again? Because if you <laughs> if you missed last week's game, there was like a really goofy play where I, I remember correctly they they gave themselves a safety or something like that because the you know, the guy caught it, I think, and took one or two steps back towards the end zone and then took a knee. I don't recall. Sorry. <laughs> it was think. something weird like that. But, you know, obviously, you know, with between Rodgers and Williams and, and the guys that they have coming back, I think Chad Mager missed last week's game with a personal issue. Uh, you know, if he's in the mix, he's going to be a factor. And we're going to see just how good that front seven is for the Red Wolves because I think they're going to be get a much bigger test, you know, because UNLV is going to want to come out and punch them right in the mouth, move the chains, be efficient with that ground game. So, you know, even though they had, I'm trying to look at how many tackles for loss they had last week, they had five tackles for loss. Some of that was a symptom of the fact that SMU just didn't really run the ball that much. No, so I'm very, I'm, so I'm very interested to see whether Arkansas or State can hold up against a team that's going to run the ball right at them. I'm guessing because SMU ran it not like so not great, three point three carry. Um, I'm gonna stick with the other side of the ball real quick. Logan Bonner, um, mm-hmm. Rebel secondary's got to step up. Four touchdowns, uh-huh. like you meant, he threw a lot, like thirty-two of fifties a ton. His average per attempt wasn't great, but if he if he has the same stat line as last week versus SMU, 30, 3250, 324, four TDs in pick, they're going to win. I don't think you, I don't know if you know if can, maybe it'll be a, I'd give Arkansas State a really good chance to win if that's the case. It's, oh, yeah. And Omar Bayless had four touchdowns last week. Yeah. Uh, 132 yards catching the ball in the air. So that is the, for me, that's the key area. The Rebels secondary, the Rebels pass rush need to get to Bonner and not allow him to have all that time. Like, if he goes 32 of 50, okay, that's a decent percentage. But don't let one guy beat you, and don't let him get all his touchdowns. They're going to have to sack him, get in his face, knock him down, because SMU had four. They did a pretty good job, too. They had, what, two sacks, a couple hurries, and, what, four pass breakups. So they got their hands up and did some good things to keep that percentage down. UNLV needs to do even a better job than that because those numbers are enough to beat them, I think. Yeah, and I mean, if UNLV is able to able to kind of set the tone with the ground game, then I think it just becomes a matter of you know limiting drives because as explosive as Arkansas State's passing attack looked last weekend, if the Rebels can limit the opportunities, especially by taking an early lead and just trying to grind them down, grind down the clock, move the chains, things like that, you know, then all of a sudden Arkansas State's under pressure to kind of maximize the opportunities that they get. But we'll have to wait and see if that actually plays out that way. All right. So what do you got? Because it's one and a half point favorite for 
um, Arkansas State. Or no, excuse me, UNLV. Apologies. Home favorites. Sorry, I looked at it wrong. So one and a half point favorites. Our sheet. Does my sheet say that too? My sheet says two. So you got to go with two, Matt. Are they going to cover two points or not? Okay. Uh, okay, so FEI favors Arkansas State in this game. Uh, they have them projected to win by 6.7 points. S&P Plus, however, favors UNLV. They give them a 59% chance to win with a, about a four-point margin. This is going to be maybe the more the most fascinating game of the weekend. A lot if of If you points. can tune in, especially since everybody has a Facebook, so you have no excuse. I think it's going to be a really close game, but I do think that Arkansas State's going to be able to pull away and win this one. Oh, um I would probably take, yeah, you know what? It's if it's only one and a half, I'm going to take Arkansas State plus one and a half because mm-hmm. uh, I think they're going to win outright. So I'm going to call it uh, thirty to twenty-four. Thirty to twenty-four. I'm going thirty-four thirty UNLV. All right then, because I think this could be a lot of points. Could very intriguing game, like you said. I guess my main thing is if are you Rebel pass defense has to step up. That's kind of the main key because I think they'll run fine. I guess Rogers can't be kind of. Lucy goosey with the ball, so that's part of it too. Got to keep it in check and throw a decent percentage. Next game, how is Minnesota a three-point road favorite over Fresno State? Because they got talent. They almost lost. A, they got fluky win over South Dakota State last week. That's true. Twenty-eight, twenty-one. They they won. Fresno State lost to USC. Nearly came back to win, if not for the pick in the end zone. I felt. Maybe I'm just not a fan of Minnesota, but I don't think they should be a favorite. This game, for those wondering, CBS Sports Network, 730 Pacific. So, Matt, you're a Fresno guy. What do you want to see different in this game compared to the last game for the, for the Bulldogs? Well, one of the lingering doubts that I've had about this team, which kind of played out in, in the opener against USC, was that the running game wasn't really able to get much traction going. And so when I think about this matchup against Minnesota – and when I think about, in particular, why they might be favored in this game, they've still got a lot of talent up front. And even though they got pushed around a little bit by South Dakota State, you know, they've still got contributors, you know, like Carter Coughlin at defensive end. They've got some size in the middle with, like, Micah Dutreadway, Sam Renner. So I, I'm kind of thinking that that's probably not going to happen twice. And it's a little bit of a prove-it situation for the Bulldogs to prove, you know, that they can keep Jorge Reina from being the team's leading rusher for a second straight week because Ronnie Rivers didn't have quite the kind of impact that I expected they would. And and maybe the Gophers don't quite have USC's speed in their front seven, but I'm still in kind of a wait and see mode because if they can't get the running game going, you know, then you're going to see a lot of obvious passing situations, which was kind of the situation they found themselves in last week. And Jorge Reina was a little bit erratic, and it's not like Minnesota doesn't have playmakers in its secondary either. You know, they've got Antoine Winfield. They've got you know, Jordan Howden. They've got guys who can make plays, get their hands on the ball. So it's going to be a little bit of a tougher test for the Bulldogs' offense in particular um, than a lot of people think it is, I think, offhand. I would say this. Watching what we did versus Fresno State last week and what Minnesota can do, it's interesting, like, look at the numbers. I know it's South Dakota State, but just really quick, Tanner Morgan, he's like, oh, he's only 13 of 18, so efficient, yardage was okay. But are they going to be able to stop Rashad Bateman? 
five for one thirty two in a touchdown. They're going to need to get to him and don't let don't allow him to. And I think the secondary is fine for Fresno State, but we flip sides here. They're going to need to let him throw 13, 18 times. I don't care. Don't let one guy beat you because I think Fresno their defense is good enough. Whoever's going to get up to quarterback, be in the secondary, it's going to be after it. But that's kind of the main way I think if Minnesota's going to want to win, that's what they're going to want to do because the running game wasn't all that great. They, Roddy Smith had about ninety yards, just okay. But I think they're going to want to rely on like the passing and their defense. And see, you know, they have the playmakers in the passing game, not only Bateman, but, you know, Tyler Johnson is the guy who's been getting a lot of, like, all-conference hype. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that running game is the key because I don't know that they necessarily want to put too much in Morgan's hands. You know, between Smith and and Muhammad Ibrahim, you know, both of those guys were pretty talented last year. They, I think Ibrahim took over when Smith got injured. So to me, it's a matter of if Minnesota wants to be able to kind of set the tone, I think they're probably going to do it by running the football. And if that's the case, you know, we saw last week, you know, obviously Minnesota is not an air raid team, but USC had a lot of success in, in kind of using the passing game to set up the run. And they didn't really have a lot of success stopping USC's tandem of uh, Villiepi and Carr last week. So you know, I see a lot of potential mismatches in this game that I don't, I mean, I don't know if other people just aren't seeing them, but I see a lot of potential concerns that could definitely go against the Bulldogs in the same way they did last week. All right. So with this game, what do you think? How do you think Fresno is going to rebound after that loss? Because like you said, the running game wasn't great. We, I think we both want to see that improve. So what would you, what would say, uh, I don't know your pick, but what would you have to believe in Fresno to get the win? I mean, not only in the running game, I think Reyna has to be better too. Like, he can't go 19 of 39 again and expect the Bulldogs to win this game. Probably not. And I think that that falls more on him than, you know, the receivers that they have. Because I think that the receivers showed a lot of promise last week, whether it was, you know, Chris Coleman coming up with a big couple of big catches, or whether it was Zane Pope, or, you know, even Jalen Cropper getting a little bit of action on the end arounds and things like that. They were There were opportunities there. But, you know, Reyna missed more than a few easy passes, too. So while it's 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 easy to remember kind of the big plays that they were able to create down the field, connecting on some of those screen passes, you know, maybe they run more crossing patterns. Maybe they get Jared Rice more involved because he only had three catches for 11 yards last week. There's a lot that they can improve upon, but it all is going to start with the quarterback position. So what do you got? What's your projection for this one here? I mean, okay, before I give my projection, uh, FEI. Okay, so F, <laughs> FEI sees this one as basically dead even. Uh, they have Fresno State point by 0.1 points. Can't, much, can't get much closer than that. 0.1. Uh, S&P Plus favors Minnesota. They give them a 56% chance to win with a 2.4 projected margin. Um, I have the Gophers one in this one. I, obviously, I don't think it's going to be a 40 to 38, which is what SP Plus projects. Um, but I have the Gophers winning 27 24. Interesting. I think you would be okay if that would happen if the result wasn't like how last year ended. Right? I mean, I think ultimately <laughs> this is going to be another really frustrating game to watch. I guess I. I thought you'd pick Fresno because that's where I'm going. Okay. I just think the running game will be better. 
Minnesota, like, again, they struggled against an FCS team. And I get it. Maybe they just struggled because it's a game one and all that stuff. But they probably should have lost that game. And I think Fresno is going to learn from what they happened versus USC. His opponent's going to be not quite as tough in some areas. And look, and I, I'm just going to go. I think Fresno is going to get it because I think the running game will finally figure out what to do. And with it being a three point line and over under 48 and a half, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll go. Hmm. I'll go 27 21, Fresno. Okay. I think it's a possibility. I know you're, you think Fresno can win. You're just not 100% sure they will. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little hesitant after what I saw last week. I'm also hesitant about Minnesota last week. So I guess we're even on that. Okay. We got one more game, right? Yeah. This could be the game of the day. He's good. SP plus state at Hawaii. SP plus had a pretty good projection. What was it? 49, 44 or something. Uh, it was 55 to 49. <laughs> 55 to 49. And it was in favor of Hawaii, right? It was. So it's a six and a half point line. And this game, if you're not aware, Hawaii home games that are not on CBS or ESPN, Facebook games. Spectrum Sports on the island, Facebook everywhere else. Yes. So that's how it works. So this Oregon State team is 0 1. They played Oklahoma State and lost 52 to 36. So we can tell from that, Oregon State defense, not very good. At least not for one week now, which was kind of the case last week, or last year, rather. Yeah. Um, still work in progress on the defensive side of the football, which would seem to bode very well for a very pass-happy and very aggressive Hawaii passing offense. And also, I should mention, Cole McDonald is back starting. It was named... Um what, last week? Basically two days after, I think the Tuesday after the Arizona game, week zero, um, Coach Rolovich said, Cole McDonald's our guy. So remember, Arizona, he was pretty erratic. He's what makes Hawaii football exciting, right? You never know what's going to happen when the mm-hmm. ball's going here or there. And so he's the guy. He can put up points. He also kind of wants to put in a tight spot. But when you look at, like, compare Oklahoma State to Hawaii's offense, it's not really that similar. You think, oh, spent what they're going to do at Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy, chucked the ball. They only threw it 24 times. They yeah, had, uh, Oklahoma State ran for over 200 yards last week. I think they had, they had a running back with like 225 yeah. or something like that. Chubba Hubbard, I think it's his name. Or can we, That's a great name. Is it going to be Chubba Hubba? Is that all we can do? That's simple enough. Come on, <laughs> writes itself. Three, He had 221 on his own. Quarterback Spencer Sanders had 109 yards. And so with the run-and-shoot offense, we want to see one of the – whether it's Virtua or somebody or even McDonald run fairly well. That's going to be key to make the offense work well. And so Oregon State can give up the ball on the ground. Like Sanders also is 19-24 and three TDs, so he's pretty efficient. And so mm-hmm. McDonald doesn't do anything stupid. I don't see why Oregon Oregon State can even keep it that, all that close. You want to know why Oregon State can keep it close? How? They have a lot of playmakers on offense. They do. Jake Luton's pretty good. And, and Hawaii, as we all know, still has kind of a suspect defense. All right, and it's not just and it's not just Luton either. Yeah, I, I mean quarterback. So. Very briefly in the Hawaii podcast, um, but Luton did look better in the opener against Oklahoma State. But Isaiah Hodgins might be one of the best receivers in the country that nobody thinks about. Yeah, he just went nine for one seventy. That's all. Nine for one seventy, two scores, <laughs> twenty um, almost twenty yards of catch, just about. Yeah. And, you know, they've got other playmakers as well, but obviously he's going to be the focal point. If I remember correctly, I, I can't remember the exact stat. I saw it on Pro Football Focus. 
but I think it was that he had the highest passer rating of any receiver in the country in week one on deep passes. So that's something worth keeping an eye on because, you know, as much as we know Hawaii likes to throw the ball down the field, there's a pretty good chance that Oregon State might try and do the same. You know, Hodgins, his, his long completion last week was 42 yards, and nobody else on the on the passing game had longer than 14, but that's something to keep an eye on because, you know, we know that that's been a hindrance of the Warriors' defense in the past, is just being able to give up chunk plays. So, you know, while Hodgins is going to be the focal point, Ty John Lindsay and Champ Flemings could easily be... And by the way, did you realize Champ Flemings is listed as five foot five and 141 pounds? Is that true? He sounds like he should be a Hawaii guy. <laughs> exactly. Or sure he not. sounds like he sounds like he should be in the slot out there. That would yeah, that sounds about right. Just yeah. One thing that's interesting too about this Oregon State, maybe I'm incorrectly saying Hawaii should just run away with it. I think they they'll still win. But we mentioned the rushing attack really quick, going back to that for Oklahoma State. Yeah, they rushed three fifty two. They are still Oregon State still got nine nine TFLs in that game. Uh-huh. And they still allow that many rushing yards, and so they can get to the backfield. Like Sean Wilson had a second a TFL and a half. Like Addison Gums had a couple of TFLs. A bunch of guys, I think it was like six guys who got to the backfield. So imagine had they not done that, how many yards Oklahoma State would have? <laughs> like who knows yeah, how much and- more? And so defense, they have some deep, deep, um, decent defensive players who can get to the backfield. And with Hawaii having only typically five of offensive linemen, maybe a tight end occasionally. If they stack that, they can get to Cole McDonald pretty quickly. Well, and if the Beavers get a lead, too, let's not forget that they have a running back in Jamar Jefferson who had a pretty quiet week one. He only had 87 yards on 16 carries. But he's still a guy that averaged six yards a carry and had almost 1,400 yards plus 12 touchdowns last year. So, you know, if if Oregon State can get ahead with its strong passing game and if, if Hawaii is prone to mistakes... Nothing says that they can't sit back with a 10 or 13 point lead and just start pounding the ball between the tackles with Jefferson and company. Yeah, I just don't know if it'll either team will have that type of lead. I, I mean, get probably not. Yeah, I guess the only I'm way just it, saying that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah it's a possibility. I would say like the only way that I think would happen like a special teams or like a defensive score to go mm-hmm. up, but I think this would be a lot of points. I I think Hawaii can win because it's I don't want to say it's lame like oh it's just Oregon State they're bad in the Pac-12. They still scored 36 points, which is pretty good. If you look overall, like there was nothing where they were just outside of Luton not being right around fifty percent. Running game was okay. They weren't like terrible in any area. Mm-hmm. I guess well, I guess you give up that many passing touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like secondary could be better. Clearly with or excuse me, not secondary. I'm looking at the wrong guy here. But the running defense is the area. But the thing is, that's not Hawaii's strength. Like, do you yeah. see Cole McDonald or Dave for two or somebody running for like one twenty five? Probably not. If they do. They're gonna if here's here's my prediction. If they have a running back get over, I'll stick with it. 125. They're gonna win by at least two touchdowns. If they keep those guys in check and say they're doing a decent like 4.8 yards per carry, leading rusher 70 yards, maybe McDonald chips in with like 45 or something or 40. It's gonna be a close game, but that's gonna be the key for me because the run and shoot's not just passing the ball. You got the name running it. You know what I mean? Run and shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I gotcha. that's the case. So I'm thinking <clears throat> that's how it's gonna happen. And I'm going to say right. Hawaii. Who, who you got in this game? I got Hawaii. Dang, that over under 78 points. You know you want the over. Oh, man. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> that game is definitely going over. Uh, 
40, 35. That's not over. Dang it. That's not over. Uh, no, I'm not going to take the over. I'm not going to fall okay. for it. Okay. All right. I'll still, I will take the over. I will go 40 to 35. I think that's fair enough. Come on. Don't, don't trick me or try. Hey, pressure me to take this score. <laughs> this might legitimately be a first to 50 situation. I would love it. And so stay up late in the East Coast, right? Stay up late if you're in the mountain time zone. Man, 10 o'clock kick. That's true. Uh, FEI likes Hawaii in this game. They project them to win by 9.1 points. Uh, S&P Plus also favors Hawaii. They give them a 65% chance with a 6.6 projected margin. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be quite 55 to 49, but uh, yeah, I'm going to take that first to 50 thing seriously. Uh, I've got Hawaii as well. I'm going to say 52 to 45. 52 45. I don't have Hawaii covering because it's five and a half. Yeah, then I guess that means I do. You do 42, excuse me, 52 45. That wraps up this week's show. We got a lot of games, so it's over an hour podcast. I hope the volume is better because, Matt, people have been saying my mic's not being great. And I know that, people. I'm working on it. I'm just in a new place today, so it's helpful. So check us out, MWR.com. We'll have all the previews, recaps, predictions. Um, I'm like quarterback rankings out this week, which people will probably hate just because people like to hate stuff on that. So check out everything we do all week. Uh, MWCR on Twitter. Matt typically handles most of that on the weekend for the games. And... Yeah, tell us your picks. Tell us what you want. Interact with us on Twitter because we like to talk back and forth, whether it's fun or we like to have fun. Right, Matt? That's what we do. Yes, we do. So, again, MWR.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Radio.com, anywhere you can find your podcast, we are there. And uh, we'll be back uh, Sunday to uh, recap week uh, two, and we'll see you then.